Well, hello and welcome to Spotty on Shares, where for the last time this week, our guest chief spotter and myself, Elio D'Amato, will talk the market day and, of course, answer your questions. Uh, as always, we encourage you to go to our website, spotty.com.au, to see which guests are due to appear next on the show, just so that you can ask some questions relevant to the area of expertise. Once you've done that, text us your question, 0480 079 089, or alternatively, email us, question at spotty.com.au. So let's bring in today's chief spotter, and it's my partner in shine, Chris Batchelor. G'day, Chris, how are you doing? G'day, Elio. Really well, thanks. Good to be with you again today. Nah, fantastic to have you on the show, mate. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, um, you know, your investing journey, as it were, and uh, how our, our paths have now crossed, uh, of course, with our new venture here at Spotty. Yeah, sure. So. Um, I've been in investment markets now for the best part of 30 years. I've spent a lot of that time on the education side and also ran a stock market research firm for quite a few years. Um, generally focus on the sort of value approach to investing, although not exclusively, I do still look at some growth stocks. And I, I look at the industrial side of the market primarily and particularly around the small and mid cap stocks. I find there's quite a lot of opportunities in that space where there's not as much um, market coverage and sometimes you can pick up some good opportunities there. And then as you mentioned, um, touch base with you a few years ago and we've been working on a little project here and it's starting to come together. Yeah, it certainly is. But uh, but let's uh, focus on the show for the moment, Chris. So a, a reminder, everyone, of course, that Tony Lacantro was due to be on today, but unfortunately, due to family reasons, he can't be. So I'm going to play the role of Captain Ahab today and see if I can land that whale in the mining space for you. Uh, currently, as we go to air, the market's uh, down a little bit. The XJO down 04 of a percent. But let's get into the main market news. And it was definitely uh, cap raising and buy up day today, Chris. So we'll start with Costa Group, who will acquire 2PH Farms, uh, a central Queensland based citrus grower for an upfront payment of some $200 million of cash, of which $180 million of that will be raised through a capital raising. So the stock is currently in a trading hole. Uh, they also provided a bit of an outlook statement as well. So Chris, there were a lot of things to unpack in this particular announcement. What did you make of the news from Costa Group today? Yeah, I mean, I think on balance, it's pretty good news. Um, spending some money to diversify their their exposure on a geographic basis, I think, you know, makes sense. And they're paying, um, you know, roughly seven and a half times EBITDA, which you wouldn't call cheap, but it's certainly not ridiculously expensive either. Also, you know, this particular opportunity, they're saying that there's quite a bit of opportunity for growth in the harvest yields, I'm forecasting that those will double by 2025. So yeah, my, my overall feel was that um, it's quite a good investment in terms of the firm. The firm itself has been a real wild ride, you know, roller coaster for the last five years, really. And just most recently, they had a big fall just um, about a month ago when they revealed that their profits are only going to grow marginally this year. And a lot of that's due to the difficulty of finding enough people to pick fruit and vegetables. You know, we're hearing that a lot at the moment, the, mm -hmm. the labour shortages and how they're impacting stocks and, and you know, the ability for companies to to basically maintain their margins. And so there's a lot of uh, pressure in this sector at the moment, but taking a long-term view, I, I do think the acquisition makes sense. Um, I guess it's worth pointing out too that it's being done as a rights issue. So that means that you know every shareholder will get a, 
an allocation of rights, one for every 6.33 shares that they hold, and that uh, those rights are actually going to be renounceable, which means that you can trade them separately on the ASX if you don't wish to, to take up your offering. So, you know, that, that's good. It's also fully underwritten, which is sort of a two-sided sort of means that um, things will definitely go through, but it also means that they don't have confidence to do it without that underwriting. And, of course, you, you pay to, to have something underwritten. So, yeah, a summary of my thoughts there. Yeah, look, I mean, the good news is, like you said, that cap raising, it's the best uh, and most fair way for investors to participate. Um, although they already had the facility built up for events like this, which does make you worry that they see it as a regular upcoming event. But it is cyclical in nature of the business. That's the way it rolls. But there's a lot of interest in the agriculture space. I mean, I've seen you and um, recently get a, a bit of love. And there was, of course, uh, the uh, $200 million, oh, sorry, the $90 million cap raise from... Um, uh, Seafood Group today as well, another company, but very small, not on our radar. Uh, one company that's been on the radar for viewers in the past has been Betmakers Technology, who've made two acquisitions today, and none of them are TabCorp related. The first is the form, uh, in the form of a company by the name of Form Cruncher, a racing data company that basically collates all this information and comes out with who they think are the best picks. Uh, the other company they're buying is a company by the name of Swap Stakes, uh, which is software designed to run sweepstakes for sporting events like the Melbourne Cup, for example, as well as AFL, NRL and US Sports uh, too. Now, it works out to be a little bit more than $1.5 million up front, which is, you know, really, really cheap, but both have heavy performance rights if they actually achieve their goals, which is fair enough, I suppose. If they uh, meet their targets, then uh, they'll be contributing to the broader group. It's all part of building out their network, they say, um, so that they can sell on these other little pluses to their global suite of customers, as they call them, of course, remembering that Bidmakers technology really allow people like uh, like Chris to just walk up there, for example, sign himself up and get the uh, uh, get himself a bookie uh, business running on the backside. No, that's not what he's doing. Uh, folks, uh, we're keeping with sports, though. We'll stay with uh, sports tracking company Catapult, um, who's announced that it will acquire SBG, a global leader of video and data analysis solutions for flow sports, that is sports with its continuous movements, and spot, uh, motorsport. Uh, it's going to be worth around 40 to 45 million and they're raising some capital at $1.90. Chris, uh, I know you watch this business quite closely. What did you make of the uh, development today? Yeah, just up front, I do hold this stock. Um, yeah, I think it's a good uh, investment um, in terms of Catapult. I think it's a, you know, a nice uh, synergy with their existing business and will give them uh, expansion into a new area, particularly the area of motorsport, which is not somewhere that they've had a focus previously. And there's also a whole bunch of um, cross-sell opportunity in um, soccer and rugby. So, you know, this, this new firm, it's uh, SBG, they're achieving uh, annualised contract value growth, which is a, it's a key metric for these um, software as a service businesses of about 28%, and also EBITDA margins of the same magnitude, 28%. So I think also the way the, um, the deal's been structured, you've got a 40, 40 to 45 acquisition price and so 20 million of that is cash up front 20 million is deferred shares so shares that will be issued in about a year's time um, to the existing uh, owners of SVG and then 5 million to be issued in FY23 FY24 if they hit certain um, targets so I think that's quite a nice structure to the deal um, from the, the uh, existing shareholders in that business. This one, 
uh, worth noting that they're doing it differently. They're raising 30 million. Um, so 20 million of that will cover the upfront cost. Another 10 million will cover uh, you know, ongoing investment. They're doing it through a placement. So the placement's at $1.90, which is a bit of a discount to the current price, but um, not a ridiculous discount. And then there's five million through a share purchase plan. And just to distinguish between you know rights and share purchase plan, um, particularly if you're a retail shareholder, in a rights issue you get your share of the of the rights, which could mean you know you get a, a relatively small portion. Whereas in a share purchase plan, you get the right to subscribe for up to thirty thousand dollars worth of shares. Um, you may or may not actually get allocated those shares. Quite often, if it's a popular um, capital raising, then uh, you'll find that your allocation gets scaled back. But nevertheless, even if you only hold $2,000 worth of shares, you can in principle apply for $30,000 worth and, and you could possibly achieve that. So you have quite a different uh, approach to raising money, but still um, giving the retail investors an opportunity to participate. And also far less onerous from a setup and legal perspective to share purchase plans. That's why they're uh, quite commonly used because uh, it's a, uh, a quick way to go about raising funds, even though sometimes, depending on how much you own, you could be treated a little unfairly or uh, hit the jackpot. Depends on what side of the fence you sit on. So it's time for us to go into your questions. There are some other acquisitions like uh, AFL lawyers. I noticed VML today had also positive news, but it is time for us to go into your questions. So we'll do right that now. I'll do that right now. Uh, remember, of course, that we can't take your objectives into uh, consideration when we're giving our answers. All we can do is basically lay the facts on the table as they stand right now. Uh, past performance is no indicator of future performance, of course. And if you wish to talk about any of this content with anyone other than your significant other in life, then you need to find an advisor that's licensed to have that conversation with you. And remember, both Chris and I hold interest in stocks uh, that we discuss on the show. Uh, we try as best we can to remember to disclose that we do hold an interest in them, but sometimes in the uh, cut and thrust stock discussion, we forget. So feel free to contact us directly if you wish to seek any clarification in that regard. And first, a special thanks also to Mark for pointing out that I didn't include uh, NWH's uh, commentary I mentioned yesterday in the run sheet. Uh, that's done now, so thank you very much. Our, our guys are smarter than the average bear, Chris, so keep us on our toes. All right, I do want to go into uh, the first question. It comes from Julie, uh, our Mao of the show. Uh, no, that has no uh, totally inconsequential that it sounds like cow, uh, and nor is it the ex-Chinese uh, communist uh, founder, of course. Um, it's Mum of Will. Uh, Mum of Will has asked uh, that she's believed that she's always and liked the idea of little green farmer. So it's Stuart Roberts from Stocks Down Under. LGP is their code. Uh, the grower, the producer, the seller, uh, basically vertically integrated. Um, she bought some uh, shares back in February, but then sold in May as there was some weakness. But she now hears that Gina Reinhardt has bought $15 million worth uh, and the stock jumped 10%. Um, does that mean there's something about to happen other than, uh, you know, other than her investment, uh, i.e. is she front-running everyone? Uh, even so, is this the sort of injection of money into a company that uh, basically can now allow them to expand? Um, Julie, look, uh, Chris is about to answer this, and the reason why I've read that question in full is because, yes, what you've described is the optics, right? That's what many of us who 
trade on the market, look at and we see and we sort of compute and it sort of fits a nice little narrative. But Chris, um, would you mind unpacking what's actually happened with Little Green Farmer recently? Because of course it is a little bit more in depth than that, notwithstanding Gina's now decided to play, but um, it's not necessarily because of what she's done that's seen that price jump. Uh, take us through it. Yeah, okay. So um, quite similar to the, the two that we've just discussed, uh, Little Green Farmer are again uh, engaging in an acquisition. So in this case, they're looking to buy a cannabis cultivation and production facility in Denmark. Now, of course, to do that, they have to, well, as is often the case, they have to raise funds to, to cover that acquisition. So in this case, they're raising $27 million and they're using um, a third type of um, capital raising technique uh, called a placement. And so what a placement means is simply that they offer shares to existing shareholders, but they only offer them to um, institutional or sophisticated investor shareholders. So in this particular case, um, 15 million of that 27 million is coming from Hancock Prospecting, which is the investment vehicle of, of Gina Reinhardt. So she will be contributing uh, that money and will end up owning a bit over 10% of the company. However, she is just one shareholder who's participating in that capital raise. And the main um, thing behind the, you know, the jump in the share price that we've seen today is that people like the, the look of this acquisition. They're going to be leveraging their current cannabis operations and adding a, a significant amount of scale. They'll be the owner of one of the largest cannabis production assets in Europe. They're also going to be using some of the funds to um, add to their sales staff in Europe and also to fund additional investments. So basically, it, it's a real growth acquisition for the company and gives them the opportunity to scale up on their existing expertise. And the fundraising is, of course, how they how they are um, funding that. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I must admit when I uh, saw they were buying something in Denmark, uh, Chris, I thought they were buying Christiania up there. Uh, for those that have traveled that region, you'll know what I'm talking about. But no, look, it's uh, it's important to note that I know we like to, and we talk about it here on the program. I'm going to talk about that uh, in a moment. So when I talk about the next company, but um, in regards to it, you know, yes, we see these money coming, but really it's the underlying business and what it's doing. And Chris really nailed it on the head. They had the option. They could expand out their existing operations um, and, you know, build on that and do that. But then that's going to take time and capital investment. Whereas this acquisition that they've done is now bought on a proven performer, proven asset um, that can uh, significantly increase um, production right now there's no uh, delay in time and investors have liked that particularly given that there is uh, strong demand for it of course the other conditions around it being a competitive industry and you know it's quite easy for others to, to play that they all still remain but obviously this one here yeah it wasn't so much who it was it was what it was for uh, that's really the point there uh, Julie so inevitably try to do that and you'll um, get to get a real sense as to why you know some of the wealthiest people in the world will go out and put their hard-earned money into it they're, they're not silly they know um, why they're doing it and there's always a bit of a strategy there okay I'll go on to um, Niskor's actual uh, question here who asked about Stavely now Niskor um, you also asked another question so email that one to me uh, question at spotty.com.au and I'll be happy to answer that but the one I'm going to answer right now though is Stavely uh, the code is SVY and basically uh, this question was for Tony so I'll answer in his stead 
uh, basically bought in the COVID sell-off. So what's the current price target here? Well, I'll talk about what's occurring at the moment here with Stavely. Uh, they're sitting on a shirt load of copper. Uh, when they hit you know, that carry load late last year. The market knew it was big, and it was. I mean, a 40% copper hit, nice and shallow, continues to deliver fantastic results, and the drill bit are going quite well. Now, given its location here in Victoria, it could be the focus of some takeover action as well. Now, looking for the mother load, well, you know what? They, they, they keep drink, uh, drilling. Chris Cairns has been on this one for six odd years. Um, there's, they've been doing more drilling down towards the south and really, to be honest with you, here lies the frustration because the price has had a pretty torrid run of recent times. To, the market's really just had a gut fill with drilling holes. They want a maiden resource so that suitors can be woken up in order to take notice. Now, investors have been told that we've got to wait another nine months in order to uh, consider the, uh, getting that maiden resource out there. Um, it has some worry that you know, the holes that they're drilling look great, you know, shallow, um, the intercepts, though, may not be deep enough to keep everyone... Well, who knows? Really, we don't know. The optics aren't great, though. Uh, then throw in tax selling, which always occurs this month, and the price falling below the last few capital raisings, and it's been tough. Um, look, I made some money on the way up. Um, I'm out at the minute. Um, you know, into the 40s, it's getting pretty exciting now, but you know what? I think I'll just wait for a confirmation either one way or the other before. Well, if it's going down, I still don't need to play. If it uh, rebases and then starts to go up, that might interest me a little bit more there. But it's just something you've got to be aware of um, that with Stavely, yeah, unfortunately, these um, protracted delays have been a bit of an issue. Um, I'll go to you on this one here, Chris. The question comes from Reven, um, who sent it to us on Twitter uh, yesterday. So sorry we couldn't get to it um, beforehand. Uh, company is IDT Australia. The code is IDT. Uh, basically, following the announcement of the mRNA discussions that they've had with the Victoria government, we'd be very interested to hear our view in regards to what we think of this business. So, uh, take it away, Chris. IDT. Yeah, sure. So, IDT, you know, they're a manufacturer of medicinal products, and um, again, they've had a fair bit of focus around the, the cannabis area. And they've got the um, manufacturing facilities uh, here within Australia to, to manufacture pharmaceutical products as well as finished forms of medicines. Um, and currently they, they are deriving revenue and that's from their medicinal cannabis resins and, and also some oils. Now it was um, interesting to note that in uh, March the share price really jumped and that was on the, the back of an announcement that they'd been requested by the Federal Health Department to undertake a feasibility study into using their facilities to produce COVID-19 vaccines. Now, of course, we're all aware of um, how urgent it is to get vaccines out and how much the governments are pushing this area. And in addition to that, there's currently a huge drive to try and look at developing sovereign capabilities around key supply chain risks. And of course, the most immediate and obvious of those is around the whole area of medicines and particularly vaccines. Currently, over 90% of medicines in Australia are imported. So IDT have, have sought to capitalise on this opportunity. And so yesterday they announced that they're in discussion with the Victorian government and also the Monash Institute of Pharmaceutical Sciences about developing an M mRNA vaccine. So just quickly, um, mRNA vaccines, the only one that's available in Australia at the moment is the Pfizer vaccine. And of course, all of those doses are being imported. Um, and there's currently you know, a real shortage of those. I mean, I've booked in to get mine, but it's a three month wait. 
and uh, yeah, we're all well aware of just uh, how much demand there is, but lack of supply when it comes to that particular vaccine. There are a couple of other mRNA vaccines available globally, but at the moment, the only one in Australia is the Pfizer one. Now, mRNA is a fairly new technology, and the COVID vaccines are actually the first um, application of that technology in the area of vaccines. So it would be a significant development for Australia if these types of vaccines are able to be manufactured onshore. Um, clearly, these guys are in a, in a strong position um, to potentially capitalise on that. Now, just looking at the business itself, you know, they've got about $7 million in cash. They were profitable in the first half of this year, although a lot of that was due to an accounting adjustment. Uh, potentially, it's a huge opportunity. I mean, that's fairly obvious. If they were to win a significant contract to manufacture these vaccines, they may need to raise capital to fund that, um, ex you know, the expansion of their facilities. We don't know that just yet. But it really all comes down to the size of the opportunity and the margins that they're able to generate from it and over what time period. And they're currently trading at around seven times their current revenue. So, you know, to justify evaluation of that magnitude, this opportunity which they're looking at really does need to be quite significant. So hard to put a you know evaluation on it right now, other than to say it is a significant opportunity, but just because something's a big opportunity doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be profitable or profitable enough to justify the, the valuation that the market's currently asking. Uh, fair point, Chris. Okay, a question from Adeline here in regards to Bannerman Resources. I'll uh, throw in a bit um, uh, in regards to it and the broader uranium sector. Of course, it's a uranium play, not my preferred, though, ahead of Boss or Lotus. Um, those two are my preferred. Uh, BMN is the code of Bannerman for those playing along at home. Uh, look, it's up there in terms of that. But, you know, it's all about uranium. Everyone's prediction that the price of yellow cakes headed to $50 US a pound uh, is, you know, it seems to be written in stone. Everyone seems to be in agreement. But in true uranium style, it's given us all the Winston Churchill uh, and is basically stuck around the uh, $30-odd mark. Now, there are whispers of a leak in a Chinese nuclear plant and there was a shutdown of an Iranian power plant too, which may be very well putting a bit of a cap on uranium prices at the moment. Though it's important to note, though, that the contract price of uranium often is struck much higher than what the current spot is, which is around uh, $32, I think, when I last checked. Now, not much else to say here. If you believe in a tango and you uh, believe in uranium, then, yep, buying here today is better than yesterday, or at least the start of last month. Um, uh, Chris, Michael has asked about advanced braking technology. Now, this was a company I wasn't aware of, so thanks for bringing it to our attention, Michael. Uh, he's been looking at it for a while. Revenue's consistent. Working capital seems to be strong. And they have some uh, solid customers uh, with international potential. So ABV is their code, everyone. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, interesting little stock, and little being the operative word. Yeah. It's only about $13 million market cap. Um, they say brakes for commercial vehicles. Now their revenue, they've been around for quite a long time and their revenues kind of averaged about 5% per annum growth over the last say five years, but it's really bounced around a lot. And last year, fortunately, it bounced up by 20% and indeed it was up 11% in the first half of this year. Now the majority of this revenue is coming from supplying braking systems for mining vehicles and also some, some work in civil construction. And lately, they've been gaining a bit of traction in the defence area. But, you know, it's worth noting that um, despite they've been around for 10 years, last year was actually the first time they'd made a profit 
for well over the last 10 years that's the first time um the profit again in the first half of this year was significantly higher they did sign a technology license agreement with veeam and i'll talk more about veeam later um, and that's to develop brakes for what's called the Thales Hawkeye Defence Vehicles Project. Basically, these are big, chunky off-road vehicles that the Defence Department use um, and the Australian Defence Department use, and these guys are developing the brakes for those vehicles. They did have a lot of debt, starting to pay that down now and build up some cash balances. But, you know, they're a tiny company. They've got about $10 million in sales. Their profits are less than half a million margins are very tight despite the fact that their market cap so low they're still relatively expensive based on the current operations so they really will need to continue generating strong growth to, to justify an investment at these levels okay so yeah you just got to uh, you know i mean look good little numbers and i do know they're trying to get out of you know mining services at 75 percent i think of their entire business uh, uh, services that particular sector like autonomous vehicles and and the like but they're trying to be leaders in the technology space um yeah which is there uh, next about <clears throat> excuse me next about oh sorry uh, adeline you asked about um, key levels in regards to that recent pullback with regards to its uh, share price, what to look for there. Needs to hold this 15 cent mark. If it doesn't, the next target becomes 10 and a half. If it doesn't hit hold that, then it could be four and a half. That's just the way it is in the nature of playing the uranium space. Uh, cracks up back above 20, well, you can almost write your own ticket, but that's still a bit of a way there. But like I said, it's all going to be about uranium. Forget about the business. It's the way it is. Uh, next at bat is Great Boulder Resources, GBR. They've come out swinging uh, early. They'll, they'll look, you know what? Um, they found some strong grades at Mulga Bill. Um, as sure as anything, though, a capital raise has followed and investors lapped it up. Uh, it then did its typical pop and drop routine that so many of these guys do after they raise that capital. That's why you need to take windfall profits. You can't be too greedy. Now, Mulga Bill is located at the Sidewell Gold Project, which is right next door to West Gold's Murchison region, uh, which is sitting on some 9 million ounces, uh, and they're still drilling there too. Now, the area was looked at it before uh, by Dore uh, Minerals. I think even Dominion and WMC were there once upon a time. The company says there's plenty more areas to drill there for that uh, significant uh, discovery. So. You know, look, there's enough areas there to keep you entertained, including Yamana and Winchester, but, you know, people who bought the pop are fueling the drop. The company just has to keep on doing what it's doing, really, and unfortunately, that short-term movement can occur. Chris, it's time for us to actually... We've gone through the show really quickly. I can't believe how quick it's gone. So it's time for you to help us see the light on two stocks that we're going to sit there and attentively listen to, then toddle off and do our own research to see if the stocks align with our own investment objectives and, of course, tolerance to risk. So what companies are they? Okay, so as I mentioned, I was going to talk about Veeam, V-E-E, -E, and then I'll also mention Dusk, D-S-K. Yep. So firstly, with Veeam, um, worth noting, I do hold this stock. Um, they're a manufacturer of marine propulsion systems and also stabilisation systems. But they've also got a, a manufacturing business on industrial components um, and significant engineering services business. As, as mentioned earlier, they have the contract to supply brakes for ABV. Um, the real growth area for these guys has been in what's called gyro stabilizers. And basically what that means is it's a, a machine, a gyro that's put inside a boat and they focus on large boats, so 30 meters plus, and it stops it rocking, put simply, um, which means of course you don't get seasick. It also means commercial boats, which a lot of their customers are, are commercial operators, that they are able to operate in larger seas where previously they would have had to stop operations. So that means, you know, 
they generate a lot more uh, income because they can keep going despite the weather. They recently had a study done where they found that the potential new build market for these gyros is about 1.1 billion. And then on top of that, there's a potential um, retrofit market of over $13 billion. Um, so, you know, potentially there's a huge operation um, opportunity there. And they've also just announced a $9 million contract to refit the Collins class submarines. So there's been a lot of good news coming out of this business. They're up, well, I bought them at 48 cents. They're currently around $1.30. Um, so, you know, a nice business uh, based out of WA. Now, Dusk, Dusk is you one that probably everyone one, knows. Chris. Yeah, Rodeo. Um, candle maker, they operate their own uh, stores and sell exclusively through their own stores and website. Um, growing really strongly. They IPO'd in November last year. They more than doubled. They have pulled back a little bit in recent times, but they're still up around 67%. Uh, worth noting that, you know, they're currently trading on a PE of about eight or which you know, does not look at all expensive. So given the opportunities, even if, you know, even if they just maintain a decent level of growth, nothing astronomical like they have done. They've had four announcements since they listed in November where they've um, each time they've upgraded their trading uh, results. So you know, if they can continue at a, at a decent rate, uh, trading on a PE of eight, that does look like a pretty good opportunity. Yeah, light shining bright there for uh, Dusk, which is a great way to end, of course, uh, to uh, my great mates and partner in shine, Chris Batchelor. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Uh, very much appreciated. No worries, Elliot. Great to be with you again. Uh, now, remember, all we were meant to have Tony LaCantra on the show. Now, because he couldn't make it today, he's asked me to extend the early bird price for hunting the next 10-bagger webinar to allow as many people who can make it to actually come along. So who am I to argue with a man who wants to cut his own lunch? Uh, so we're going to extend that offer till right up till the event itself, which is Wednesday, of course, the 30th at 6.30 p.m., which is precisely one week away. Now, if you've got a question over the spotty four-day weekend, once you see the guests on our website, which will be updated shortly, Send your questions in early on the text machine 0480 or question at spotty.com.au. But until next week, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares.